afternoon session and, and uh, praying for the persecuted church. How many of you are, are realizing or maybe noticing more uh, news and, and things like that about persecuted Christians? It's more coming to our attention. Yeah. And I think it's because, number one, it is increasing in incidents. And number two, God is really alerting his people to fight back and to pray. Amen. And to help uh, some of these people that are are uh, really just wanting to serve God. But, you know, serving Jesus is a threat in many places, uh, many, many nations. Uh, the uh, government bans Christianity, uh, bans any kind of religion other than what they say is okay. And uh, so we have to understand that God wants to free people from all oppression all bondage, um, and all restrictions, and especially restrictions on worshiping him and reaching out to him. Because he created us. We did not create ourselves. People did not create one another, and the devil certainly never created nothing. He's a thief. And so we have to remember that God has sovereign right to minister to people, to touch people, to speak to people, uh, to reveal himself to people. Ah, get it together. All right. Hang on a sec. Yeah, we we going to get it together in a minute. Thanks, Ms. No. Oh, we going to get it together in a minute, working on all these little pieces. Yeah. <laughs> Praise God. So um, we're uh, in the voice of the martyrs. I wanted to just share with you, those of you who know or don't know, Asia Bibi was released. Amen. <laughs> Amen. In Pakistan, her death sentence was overturned. Her conviction was overturned. Her death sentence was canceled. Amen. And so that's part of the the praise report and the rejoicing. Uh, And and just continue to pray for her and her family because um, the uh, Muslims in her nation, of course, are continuing to persecute her and continuing to threaten her and her family. And so we thank God that there are people that are willing to help them and get them to safety. So just keep praying for their, uh, wherever God tells them to go, that they be led there and that they would be secure there. So, amen. Well, Father, we do thank you for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace. We want to find mercy and grace to help us in our time of need, which is always, there is never a time we don't need you, Lord. Uh, whether we even know it or not, we always have need of you. And so we are so thankful that you are, are just as close as our very breath. You are just as close as our words, crying out to you and asking you for your help. So we thank you, Father, for helping us, strengthening us, revealing yourself to us in a great way. In Jesus' name, amen and praise God. So this is the um, November issue of Voice of the Martyr uh, magazine. they are focusing on Asia and kind of going back to where we started uh, with our our, uh, study of uh, persecuted Christians, and that is in Vietnam and Laos and places like that in Southeast Asia. And so uh, we're talking, um, when we first started, we studied from the book Between Two Tigers, and remember the great courage and the bravery of the people in Vietnam uh, in that that uh, book. And so I, I just always think about some of the really wonderful supernatural 
testimonies of deliverance among those people that we shared that, uh, you know, some of them were being interrogated by guards and the guards later confessed Christ and uh, came to the Lord, miraculous healings that God gave uh, those people uh, when they would cry out to him. And so it's just wonderful to see God move, and it's always good to be a part of that. Uh, They are a part of the Lord's body just like we are. And we are called to support them and encourage them and support them in prayer and every other way that we can. We do send monthly, the ministry sends monthly offerings to Voice of the Martyr so that we can help with what they are doing. Uh, And and so it kind of backs up what we say we believe and want to do uh, when we can send uh, finances as well. And we'll continue to do that. I have no plans not to. So I thank God for the fact that you guys do give. And just always remember that in your giving, um, that it's much more than than what you see as far as our, our natural Uh, surroundings and the bills that we have to pay we do believe in giving when we we see a need and so our ministry has always done that we will give to the people that can't get from any place else you know so it's always good to to know who's really working for God and be willing to support that so anyway we have um this is some information I think is, is interesting and important, gives us an understanding of who the uh, uh, gods are uh, in some of these countries that the people, different people um, um, worship. And so it says, our medical missionary team was in a desperately poor village in rural India where villagers had never received medical assistance or treatment of any kind. Items we take for granted, such as aspirin, toothbrushes, were unknown to them. We wanted to help the villagers in Jesus' name, but our appeals to the village Hindu priest had failed. He would not let us provide medical care to the villagers because we had heard correctly from neighboring villages. He had heard correctly from neighboring villages that we shared about Christ and prayed for people as we treated them. Before escorting us out of the village, the priest told us that he would take us to the village temple and show us their gods. A few minutes later, after walking across a blood-stained field, I was staring into the eyes of an eight-foot-tall, blood-spattered idol of Kali, the Hindu goddess of death who bears the moniker Blood Drinker. The nickname is reminiscent of Hinduism's gruesome history of human sacrifice that continued for centuries on the Indian subcontinent, ending under the rule of the British East India Company in the 1600s. Since that time, goats have been the most common sacrifice. Kali, whose other name is Destroyer, was a cruel master in this village. Men and women created in the image of the one true God lived in in shanties and suffered from malnourishment, while the false god Kali, along with her temple and priests, thrived at their expense. In an age of science, technology, and emphasis on rational thought, the idea of idol worship may seem primitive and irrelevant, but hundreds of millions of Hindus, mostly in South Asia, and hundreds of millions of Buddhists, mostly in Southeast Asia, still participate in idolatry, along with the majority of the world's Muslims who blend an idolatrous folk religion with the practice of Islam. From the time of creation until today, idolatry has always been an orchestrated attack on God's glory. 
In 1 Corinthians 10.20, Paul explains that the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons. Idols are not mere representations of people's imagined gods like characters in the novels or movies. They are demonic. When Voice of the Martyr field leaders and I discussed the places and people overshadowed by this demonic evil, the one word that we continually come back to is lost. It is incredibly sad to contemplate the degree of error in men's hearts and minds, but then we rejoice when we think of our Christian brothers and sisters who are willing to address this evil head-on no matter the cost. Christians in Asia who witness for Christ face fierce opposition from all levels of society, first from their family or clan and ancestor as ancestor worship is prevalent in the region, second from false religions that punish those who refuse to worship idols and spirits, and third from communist and other tyrannical governments that are threatened by Christ, the true power who exposes the lies that prop up their, their earthly rule. In the face of opposition from all sides, our Asian brothers and sisters in Christ continue to serve the Lord joyfully and experience eternal victories that those enslaved to idol worship are set free through faith in Christ. We serve the one true and living God. In him, we are uh, one with our persecuted Asian family members. It gives me great joy to introduce you to some of them in the pages of this newsletter. So um, that's an understanding of Buddhists, uh, what the Buddhists do and uh, how those gods and the, the priests and that whole system. It's, it's like religion everywhere. Eventually, if leaders become corrupt, they will abuse the people. And so that's one thing that God has all, always warned in the Bible. He said he would raise up shepherds after his heart instead of those after what they can get. And so we, we are thankful that God has given us good people. We have many good ministers and many who uh, are, are very self-sacrificing. But then there are times when religion takes over and people can be very self-serving. So we're thankful to God that he continues to raise up ministers after his heart. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Amen. No safe faith. Okay. As me cooked the meal in her small outdoor kitchen one afternoon in 2008, she was approached by a man with a shocking confession. I am very sorry, the man began. I tried to kill your husband two years ago. I shot and I missed. Since then, I have been watching your husband do things and helping people. He is a good man. The man who addressed me in her southern Laotian village had been a sniper with the country's communist government and had tried to kill her husband, Vang, because of his evangelistic work. For two years, me and Vang had worked at building relationships and sharing the gospel with members of the animist-influenced Buddhist community. After making the, his confession to me, the sniper showed her a Bible he had stolen from the village. He said he had felt deep shame years after years of killing people, but had found hope in the Christian Bible. Your God is good, he said, smiling. I cannot give this book back. I want to keep it. I am very sorry. Me, smiling back, could see the Holy Spirit at work in the man's heart. She prayed with him and told him she forgave him. When me told Vang about the sniper's attempt to kill him, 
he became excited. As a follower of Jesus, he believes why he, he dies is more important than when he dies. I always pray and say that if I die in serving God, it's better than to die in the hospital. I want to die doing ministry. I want to do something, die and make it profitable. And me agrees, it would be my honor to die for God, she said. Vang and me, who have two young children, regularly travel to remote villages to share Jesus with people who practice the syncretic blend of Buddhism and tribal animism. They also support house churches in the villages. Living in a country where the government views Christianity as a tool of the CIA and the average citizen believes Christians anger the spirits, they have come to expect persecution, possibly even death, for their faith. Ever since God saved them both from sin and death as teenagers, they have been prepared to lay down their lives in his service. As a teenager growing up in northern Laos, Vang was a member of a violent gang. He drank heavily and occasionally beat his own brothers and sisters. His life was spiraling out of control and he wanted to change, but everything he tried failed. I was hopeless, he said. It seemed like I had to be bad. Then one day a friend told Vang about an all-powerful God who created everything and can do anything. Vang wondered if maybe this God could help him too. Hoping to find a new life, he decided to attend church with his friend, Following the service, the pastor invited everyone, anyone interested in learning more about God to meet with him. The pastor then explained the gospel and how Jesus could change Vang's life if he would place his faith in him. I will try Jesus for two months, Vang told himself. If he is not God, the pastor is a liar and I will burn the church down. Despite the self-imposed ultimatum, Vang sincerely desired a new heart a new heart and wanted God to be real. He prayed earnestly to Jesus and dedicated his life to God. After I said amen, I felt like a wind came through me. I felt peace and joy. From that day, I felt peace and joy. Vang secretly began attending church, but his parents eventually found out. They at first tried to persuade him to return to spirit worship, but when that failed, they kicked him out of their house. He lived at his church for two years before talking to his family again. During that time, he studied persecution in the Bible. After two years, I learned many things about persecution in the scriptures and how to comfort people, so I was able to comfort another when they get persecuted like me. When Mee's youth wasn't as, while Mee's youth wasn't as outwardly rebellious as Vang's, her upbringing was deeply influenced by communism. Her neighbors were communist leaders, and her father, who died when she was two years old, was a government sniper, like the one who tried to kill Vang. She remembers armed security guards keeping watch over her neighborhood. At 14, Mi was diagnosed with thyroid cancer. She battled the disease for five years until at age 19, she was given three months to live. Hopeless but and desperate, she went to church with her sister who had already accepted Christ. During the service, me prayed, if you are really, if you are, are really true God, you heal me and I will serve you until I die. That night, she dreamed that she had a choice of two paths to take in life, a dark one and a light one. The dark path scared her, but when she looked, when she looked toward the light path, she saw a man telling her, come with me. 
She walked toward him, and he touched her head, saying, I love you like a daughter. I could feel the love of the father, which I had never had before, a true love I had never felt. I talked to my sister about it, and she was happy. She read the Bible to me, and I confessed that I wanted to believe. At a medical checkup about a month after the dream, me was stunned to learn that the cancer had disappeared. Then, only two months later, she had her first experience of persecution. A communist guard in her neighborhood, after learning that me was a Christian, pointed a gun at her forehead and said, If you continue to be a Christian, I will kill you now. You can kill my body, but not my spirit, Meese boldly replied. Surprised, the guard paused and lowered his gun. He told me he would continue to watch her and her sister. Since that day, the threat of death doesn't matter to her. She knows that without God's miraculous healing, she wouldn't be alive anyway. Like she, she wasn't planning really to be here. Her life is in his hands. For Vang and me, there is no such thing as a safe faith. They believe Christians who claim to follow Jesus must be all in. When you try to avoid what God says, you try to build your own kingdom, Van said. Either you listen to God's word or you listen to the world. Follow God and obey what God says we must do. Vang said Christians, no matter where they live, should strive to live a life of faith that is worthy of persecution. If you want to follow Christ, you will get persecution. Christ says, deny yourself, take up cross, take up your cross and follow me. So why do we have to live calmly and comfortably and settle when Christ said, you will get persecution because of my name? People will hate you. Your family will come and fight you or put you to death. If what the Bible says is true, it is true. So why do you try to avoid it? As he reads the scriptures daily, Van can help waiting Wanting to live the life that God rewards. I pray to God to let me die in the field serving the Lord. I want to get that reward. I don't want to live and die easily and just receive a little reward. I want the crown because Jesus said if you die faithful, I will give you a crown of life. Vang is inspired by Revelation 2.10. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested. And you will have tribulation ten days. Be faithful unto death and I will give you the crown of life. You have to die anyway, Vang continued. Either from an accident or a disease. I don't want to die in a bed. I want to die so God can be glorified and for the kingdom and the ministry. It is not easy. Sometimes I feel scared, but wanting to die in Christ is better than to die on your own. We are not fooling around. We keep doing the best that we can to protect and, and have security, but I desire to die in that way. Vang and me worked with Vang's siblings and cousins to start a house church for Kamu believers in 2004. And a year later, the church had nearly 100 members. The 700,000 Khmer people in Laos com- composed the country's largest ethnic minority group. Vang and me later started two Lao house churches as well. As the churches grew in size and influence, persecution of their members also increased. Vang, who helped translate an illustrated Bible into Lao for Voice of the, Voice of the Martyrs, said he emphatically reminds Christians in Laos that persecution is, a, is simply part of following Jesus. In addition to leading individual churches, Vang also directs and provides leadership training for a network of more than 100 house churches. 
He has heard countless stories of persecution from the pastors he works with through Laos, throughout Laos. It can happen anytime, anywhere, he said. They mostly find house uh, church leaders warn you, oh, fine you, F-I-N-E, uh, warn you and put you in prison. When Whatever they feel they want to do, they do it. They could kill you or they could beat you. They could do whatever they want. Under a new law, all religious activity in Laos must be approved by multiple government offices and approval is rarely granted. This means the work of Vang Mi and other Voice of the Martyr supported frontline workers could be considered illegal. Although the law is supposed to apply to people of all faiths equally, many expect it to be enforced only against those outside Buddhism or the country's other traditional beliefs. Neither Vang nor me has ever been arrested, but they both understand that it could happen at any time. Anytime we come together, they can arrest us because our church is not registered, he said. We have to move around to different houses and different towns and meet on different days. Every time we go out, it can be the last time. They are, after all, living out of faith that could result in their death. But as they serve God and face persecution, they view no one as an enemy. God says to love others and have no fear, Vang said. Why do we fear other people if we are supposed to love them? You have to have love fully in your heart and not see others as the enemy. I don't see the government as the enemy. I don't see any men as the enemy. I only see people who need love. We need to love them and do good to them like Jesus said. We should pray for them and bless them. Amen. So that's Vang and uh, what it says? Lee and me, me and Vang. They have a house church. I'll pass this around, but they meet on a houseboat. And they say the Buddhists don't consider this a church because it's not a temple. So because it's floating around on the water, they can stay out on there and worship God and have a nice little time. It's a nice little boat they got there. So amen. So they, <laughs> that's interesting. Amen. Cool. God will give you so many creative ideas when you need them. Amen. All right. So this one is sharing Jesus in the land of fallen heroes. Every weekend, Lynn and her husband travel five hours by motorcycle to take the gospel to the village uh, Lynn once feared. The village known as a common communist hero village was home to a number of soldiers who died fighting against the United States in the Vietnam War. The villagers take great pride in the fallen heroes from their community and deeply treasure their communist way of life. Many of the villagers lived there during the war and remember those who died. In a country where most of the population practices ancestor worship, the veneration of those who fought and died for communism is considered a sacred duty. The fallen heroes are viewed by some to be guardian spirits of the village, and their memory is invoked to promote nationalism and communist pride. Initially, Lynn's husband didn't want her to work in the village. He was afraid she would be arrested. Over time, however, he felt compelled to support her, and he continues to pray for her success. Although he travels to the village with her each time, he stays with the motorbike as Lynn shares the gospel. Not just anyone can enter the communist village, communist hero village Lynn visits. She gained permission 
in 2007 only because her husband had grown up there. And those living in hero villages must have at least one family member who served with distinction during the war. It's hard for a stranger to come into the village, but if you have friends or relatives in the village, you can come through them. They still observe you and they and, and what you are doing. Lynn's family also tries to has ties to communism. Her father was a loyal Communist Party member and colonel in the Vietnamese military, but when he and Lynn's mother became followers of Jesus, the military kicked them out. Lynn developed her boldness and passion for evangelism through Voice of the Martyr-supported two-year discipleship training course that she completed in 2005. If I didn't attend the training course, I wouldn't be doing this, she said. It helped me understand more about the life of Christ and helped me understand God. It also helped me learn how to share the gospel and how to lead people to the Lord. On weekends, Lynn goes house to house in the communist hero village, sharing the gospel with everyone, male or female, young or old. She works to establish and build relationships with them, understanding that she is not selling something, but rather sharing someone, Jesus Christ. Before I enter a house, I pray for the family inside. If they are willing to accept Christ, I lead them in prayer. If not, I leave. If they do accept Jesus, she returns regularly to pray with and encourage them, teaching them worship songs and Bible basics. Many who initially reject the gospel become interested later after their neighbors, neighbors have accepted Jesus. Since 2007, when Lynn started visiting the village, more than 300 people in the village of about 1,000 have accepted Christ. Before, nobody in that village accepted the Lord. There were no Christians. That is why God moved me to go there. Even though I was scared, I saw many lost people there, so I knew I must sacrifice myself to preach the gospel. Arguing that Christianity is an American enemy of communism, authorities have repeatedly warned Lent that they will arrest her if she continues to preach the gospel and bring Christianity to the village. But Lynn is unmoved in her determination to share God's gracious gift of salvation. If you want to arrest me, then arrest me, she tells him. I am doing nothing wrong. Lynn varies the times and days of her visits so authorities won't know when to expect her. She does her best to avoid villagers who oppose her or report her to the authorities, but she remains kind and loving when confronted. Through persecution, my faith in the Lord has become stronger, she said. Lynn has two sons and two daughters, ranging in age from 16 to 22, as well as one grandchild. She, she misses them every weekend. My children back home don't have me during those days, so that's a challenge. She knows, however, that the sacrifice is worth it. Her work is leading people into a relationship with Jesus. Lynn is now leading dozens of new Christians. Most are about 20 years old through the same discipleship course she completed. She has also started a house church in the village. On average, about 50 believers gather for worship each Sunday, and each Sunday meeting in different homes each week to avoid detection. Increasing persecution from other villagers has kept the group smaller than it could be. In 2016, relatives of Lynn's husband gave the couple a piece of land in the village so they could establish a banana farm and eventually live and work there. Although they have not yet built a home on the land, they have recently begun staying with villagers through the week as they prepare to farm the land. 
The harder Lynn works to expand God's kingdom, the more supportive her husband becomes of her work. Lynn asks us to pray that she will be able to continue sharing the gospel in the communist hero village, especially when she is tired or misses her family. She also asks us to pray for those who have not yet accepted Jesus Christ. Amen? So we'll make definitely pray for her when we pray our prayers. The fugitive pastor. After leading his Hmong congregation in prayer one Sunday morning in the fall of 2002, Pastor Foom Chow opened his eyes to the alarming sight of several Vietnamese police officers waiting to arrest him. Foom had been detained more than 10 times for bringing Bibles to the Hmong people in the jungles of Vietnam, but authorities had never before interrupted a church service to arrest him. As the officers handcuffed him and led him away, they told him this would be the last time. We will never let you be free anymore, the arresting officer said. Foom realized he might never see his wife and three children again, and he considered the possibility that the the authorities might even kill him. So as the officers escorted the handcuffed pastor across a stony path in the middle of a river, he suddenly turned and ran toward nearby mountains. Police officers chased him into the jungle but lost him in the thick green foliage. As the sun began to set, Foom had hid quietly on the mountain and prayed to God. The Bible says, you help the one whom you love, he prayed. Please, if you want to use me in your ministry, please help me as I have no way to do it. I have nowhere to go. Help me to escape these people. Foom hid on a mountain for two nights. Once he felt safe to leave... He hiked down to a nearby Hmong village that he knew had a church. There he found someone to cut the chain on his handcuffs, uh, freeing his arms. Later that evening, Christians in the village took him to the main road where he found a ride to Hanoi. He hoped to explain his situation and get help from the leader of his denomination. Vietnam has a population of 96 million predominantly Buddhist, but there are nearly 10 million Christians there. Roughly 400,000 of the Christians are Hmong. The number is growing. The country's communist leaders have long considered Christianity to be a United States propaganda tool. On his way to Hanoi, Foon traveled through multiple police checkpoints where officers searched vehicles for a man in handcuffs. The sleeves of his jacket concealed the cuffs still locked on his wrist. After arriving in Hanoi, he found the office of the church denomination and met with the president. He revealed his handcuffs, shared his story, and asked for help. But since the police had been cracking down on those spreading Christianity among the Hmong people, the president was reluctant to help him. That's a very big problem. (laughs) The president told him, sorry, you are Hmong, we cannot help you. The president arranged to get Foom a hotel for the night, but when the hotel clerk saw his passport, he immediately called police, and Foom was rearrested. When he got to jail, police took his belt off and repeatedly whipped him with it. The next morning, they beat him again before interrogating him. After Foom explained that his only crime was becoming a Christian and sharing his faith in the North, the Hanoi police called the police station in the North and told them to come and get him. This time, Foom was handcuffed with his thumbs bent toward his arms. Since he could not use his hands, the guards forced him to eat his food from a bowl like a dog. Finally, after a week, the guards loosened the handcuffs. Every day, 
they demanded that Foom sign a document stating that Christianity was a false religion from the United States. But each time he refused to sign and spent another three weeks in jail as a result. After a month of failed attempts at persuading Foom to sign the document, the officers lost their patience. Grabbing his hand, they forced him to place his index finger on an ink pad and sign the document denying Jesus with his fingerprint for a signature. Foom was then taken to a courtyard where police had gathered 400 Hmong Christians. They escorted their prisoner to the front of the crowd, lifted up the document, and told the Christians that Pastor Foom had rejected the foreign religion of Christianity. The officers then uh, ordered the crowd of Hmong believers to reject Jesus. Knowing that most of the Christians spoke Hmong and that the police did not, Foom said, I want to let you know I am not wrong. They forced me to give my fingerprint. Jesus is true, and I want to continue to be a Christian. It is up to you if you want to continue to believe in Jesus. For me, I won't deny him. Seeing the Christians stand up and clap for the pastor, the police realized Foom had not said what they ordered him to say. They angrily rushed him away before beating him again, but they knew there was nothing else they could do with him. Foom was released from jail and ordered to never leave his village. I praise God that the police beat me and persecuted me, he said. I just thank God this situation happened to me because after the persecution, many Hamang came to became Christians. I also made the church leaders strong in their faith and helps them to continue to serve God. Foom said he forgives the officers who beat him and tortured him with the handcuffs. In fact, since his release, many of them had a, have attended Hamang New attended Hamong New Year's New Year celebrations that Foom hosts at his house each year. The officers still bring him gifts and apologize for the way they treated him. See what forgiveness can do? <laughs> Since his release from jail, Foom has traveled outside his village numerous times to share the gospel. He also oversees a network of nearly 70 churches in two provinces. While churches can operate freely and openly in many parts of Vietnam, most of the Hmong churches Foom visits must operate secretly as house churches. The police are very strict and watch the Christians. I have to go underground secretly to visit them. Voice of the Martyr recently helped purchase a motorcycle for him. We also support the evangelistic training he provides in a number of villages, as well as his work of encouraging and praying for other believers who have experienced persecution. Foom fully expects to be imprisoned again, but he knows that if it happens, God will use the experience to grow his church among the Hmong people in Vietnam. So, amen. Isn't that wonderful? Such a wonderful attitude. They just agree with the word, you know, and don't. I mean, it's a good thing to just let your your words line up with God's word so you won't, uh, you know, you won't fall short of anything. He knows how to protect us and take care of us. Amen. Uh, in China, arrests and raids continue. Almost every week, Voice of the Martyr receives new reports of arrests and raids on house churches across China. Uh, during a worship on July service on July 15, about 30 government officials raided the Bible Reformed Church in uh, Guangdong, China, for the third time in a month. According to the pastor, they interrupted his sermon, demanded ID cards from everyone present, and ordered them to stop gathering as a church. They then took the pastor and at least five others away for interrogations that lasted several hours. 
In June, the church was raided twice and fined 50,000 yuan, or about $7,500, for holding religious services in an unregistered building. The church had been pressured for the last eight years to join the government-sanctioned three-self church, but they have resisted. Pastor Huang said the church intends to appeal the charges in order to become witnesses on God's behalf. A Christian leader in China said house churches continue to resist the communist government's attempt to bring all churches under its authority. To date, I have not found one church leader who intends to obey the law and register their church, he said. Many churches have closed permanently and are meeting in smaller groups of about 30 people. One pastor told the police, you have a choice. You can send one policeman to watch this meeting place or you will send 20 policemen to watch us meeting in 20 locations. So they, uh, you know, in China, there's still persecution of the church, of course. In Ethiopia, Bible school serves Eritrean refugees. We uh, talked about Eritrea, I think, a couple of months ago. A voice of the martyr supported Bible school in Ethiopia is serving Eritrean Christian refugees, many of whom fled persecution in their home country. About 165,000 Eritreans have registered as refugees in Ethiopia. Many more are unregistered. Many of the Christians have wanted to study theology but have not had the funds or opportunity. When a local church saw the need, it decided to open a unique Bible school that would keep students near their homes and be free of charge, an important condition since the refugees are not allowed to work. Offering Bible training for these persecuted believers is one of the few ways we are able to assist them while they live in refugee camps. Any form of employment, travel, etc. is heavily restricted. The Bible school offers a two-week course every two months, and students are required to complete 24 weeks of total class time to graduate from the two-year program. Because of the intermittent class schedule, students can continue to serve in local churches and apply what they are learning in between class sessions. This year, the school has 28 students, as well as several pastors and evangelists who are uh, auditing the course. In Bhutan, most believers in Bhutan are first-generation Christians. And according to Voice of the Martyr Regional Director in South Asia, Christians there experience an overwhelming sense of fear. They sneak into the forest to secretly bury their dead. They worship discreetly in homes, and they use extreme caution when sharing the gospel with family members. A young woman named Pim, who became a believer after growing up Hindu, began to suffer abuse from her alcoholic husband after he learned of her conversion. Eventually, Pim reached the point of considering suicide, but at that moment she heard God's Spirit say, You are my daughter. After being lifted from her depression, she threw herself into ministry work. Though Pim cannot read, she has memorized many Bible verses by listening to her pastor's weekly sermons. She, <laughs> that's pretty cool. <laughs> you, know, you have to really, you know, we, I just think about people memorizing from listening, you know, it's like, ooh. She goes from house to house using the memorized Bible verses to share the gospel. So far, she has led 55 families to Christ. This sister was so bold and courageous. Amen. Amen. Praise God. She was so bold and courageous, the voice of the martyr regional director said, her faith and joy seemed to fill the room. Amen. It's wonderful. Wonderful what God is doing. Amen. So that's an update on Vietnam. 
and uh, other places in, in uh, amen, Southeast Asia. They're still doing what they do. I just love the boldness of these people, you know, to um, just stand for God and, and their knowledge of the scriptures and knowledge of what persecution really means just emboldens them even more. And they are not afraid and they do not back down. And that is the best part of it, you know. So they really live the example of Christ. So we're going to pray our protection against persecution. I'm going to read some things that, um, just some headlines we need to um, pray as we pray. Now he even got quiet back there. Now watch when I start walk, talking again. He's going to get cranked up. Right. He's been talking like for six hours. <laughs> I don't have my usual kit with me. You know? <laughs> when I was in nursing, I had girlfriends that had babies. They said, well, you know, when they get a little older, we get a little Dimetap elixir in the house. <laughs> You know how hospital people are. They quick to drug, you know. But anyway, it's all good. They survived. I see them now. They're grown adult men and women, and they they survived it. So praise God. Amen. God is good. Amen. So, okay, so we're going to pray. These are just news items. Uh, um, Asia Bibi's conviction and death sentence were overturned. Christians around, see what I'm talking about? It got loud already. Christians around the world are rejoicing at the news that Asia Bibi's blasphemy, conviction, and death sentence have been overturned after nine and a half years in prison. Uh, in India, new attacks are cause for praise. According to Christian leaders in the Indian state of Uttar Pradesh, A significant increase in attacks on Christians is part of a planned campaign by Hindu nationalist leaders. Every day, four or five churches are attacked, according to the leader of a church planting network, and the number of arrests of Christians is unprecedented. So we really need to pray for um, uh, India. Uh, In the Congo, Christians face recurring attacks. Christians in the eastern part of the Democratic Republic of the Congo are suffering repeated attacks by Muslim Defense International. The group attacks entire villages, raping women, destroying houses, enslaving children before disappearing back into the forest. In Pakistan, Sana, the daughter of a man killed in, in uh, the December 17, 2017, church bombing in Keita, Pakistan, expressed her gratitude recently for the support she has received from Voice of the Martyr. At least 11 people, including her father George, were killed and 50 others seriously injured in a pre-Christmas attack on the Methodist Church in Uganda. Malik and his wife were thrown out of his family house after he told them they were Christians. But he refuses return to Islam, even though his father has offered to let them rejoin the family if they do so. In Kurdistan, uh, 
Eldos, 26, was listening to praise music while house-sitting for his older brother when three radical Muslims broke into the house, demanded that he recite the Muslim confession of faith. When Eldos refused, they began to beat him. They knocked out some of his teeth, broke his jaw, damaged one eye, and gave him a concussion. So we'll pray for him to be healed. In Nigeria, uh, Jose is under siege for a Fulani, by Fulani militants once again. Uh, in Indonesia, three more churches have closed. Okay. Okay. Uh, in Malawi, uh, a movement of God is happening among the Yao people, so that's good to know. In India, new violence against Christians in Uttar Pradesh. Uh, we just talked about that. Um, Police arrested on September 5th a pastor and 270 church members and John Poor accusing them of illegally converting Hindus to Christianity. Uh, in Uganda, um, Elizabeth was a secret believer for a year before she told her Muslim husband. While working in her shop one day, she heard an audible voice saying, Seek me and find your life. Seeking to know God who had spoken to her, she visited a church and eventually came to faith in Christ. Uh, in Laos, Analu, a widow in her 60s, and eight other people in her village placed their faith in Christ after believers in a neighboring village visited to share the gospel. Shortly afterward, police visited her and told her she told her that she and two young relatives she cares for would have to leave unless she abandoned her faith. In Laos, pastors meet with authorities about Christian families facing eviction. Uh, in Nigeria, Voice of the Martyr supported Willow, widow killed in roadside accident. Hassini Yakubu, whose husband was killed in 2009, attacked by Fulani Muslims, died in a roadside accident in September of this year. Since her husband's death, she had been supporting her three children as well as a niece whose father was killed in the same attack that took her husband. In Central Asia, Christian couple faces increasing persecution for evangelism. Renat and Risha face increasing pressure from authorities and family members for their evangelistic work, which includes leading a secret house church, distributing Christian literature, and sharing the gospel in their restricted nation. So, new things to pray for. Um, let me see if I can grab some things out of here. We can just lay hands on this one and pray for everyone listed in here. I'll pass this around to that. I think I love the picture of the houseboat church. It's not, they don't think it's a real church because it's in a boat, not a temple. So that gives me ideas, huh? <laughs> wherever you meet is, is the church. Amen. We are the church. So wherever we are is where God wants us to be. Okay, if you pray in, I'll pray in the English, you pray in the spirit. Heavenly Father, we thank you, we bless and praise you. We come to you, Lord, asking forgiveness for our sins. We forgive these people who are persecuting our brothers and sisters in Southeast Asia and in Asia. And we thank you, Lord, for delivering us from all unrighteousness. We thank you, Lord, for forgiving them that they might come to a, a, a clearing and their faith would work. They would come to a righteousness that is by faith, that they can receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray, Lord, for Pakistan, India, the Congo, uh, for Uganda, Kyrgyzstan, Nigeria, and Indonesia. 
We pray for Malawi and India. We pray for Laos, Nigeria, and Central Asia. We also pray for uh, Vietnam, for the people that we prayed for today. We pray for me and her husband. We also pray for uh, Lynn and their family, Father, for the things that they are suffering. We pray for Pastor uh, Fu as well, Fum, and we know, Father, that you have your hand on their lives for good. Thank you, Lord, that we pray that our persecuted family in Laos and Vietnam will allow you to deepen their vision to reach the lost, especially members of the Communist Party and those deceived by Buddhism and animism. They would have access to resources, including materials and tribal languages that will help them effectively evangelize and teach their neighbors, that they would witness incredible growth and maturity among new believers, seeing many raised up to lead churches, that they would stay strong in you when family members persecute them for placing their faith in Jesus Christ, that they would be encouraged and strengthened as many must travel for hours by motorbike through difficult terrain to meet with other believers. And we thank you, Father, for protecting these people. We thank you for delivering them, allowing them to live, allowing them to have life so that you can have life in their hearts and in the hearts of others. And so we pray for their protection, Father. We thank you, Lord, that we submit to you, resist the devil, and devil, you must flee. We command you to flee from us seven ways. Vengeance belongs to you, O God, and we resist retaliation by our accusers. We are serving you, so why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? You who sit in the heavens are laughing. Behold their threatenings, Lord, and stretch forth your hand to heal. Do signs and wonders in the name of Jesus. I declare that the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let them fall by their own counsels. Lord, you shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my integrity that is in me. Let the mischief of they who persecute me return upon his own head. Keep me as the apple of the eye and hide me under the shadow of your wings. Thank you for teaching my hands to war so that the bow of steel is broken in my arms. Thank you that you have given me the necks of my enemies. Shut the mouths of the lions that roar their lies against me. Cause the tongue of the wicked persecutors to cleave to the roof of the mouth. Stop the pointing of the finger against your servant. Stop those who point the finger against me without a cause and who hate me. It is time for you to work, Lord, for they have made void your law. Lord, we know it's nothing for you to help. Help us, O Lord, my God. O save us according to your mercy. Let our hands prosper and prevail against our enemies. But the Lord is with us as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble. They shall not prevail. They shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. And their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. And we thank you, Father, that those who live godly in this life will suffer persecution. But you know how to deliver the righteous out of every evil. And we thank you, Lord, for deliverance for your people in Vietnam, Laos, and Southeast Asia, in Africa, India, and Uganda, in Korea, and China. All the persecuted believers, Father, we partner with them and we thank you to bless them and deliver them speedily in Jesus' name. Let them go on to lead many more people to Christ. So we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen and praise God. Amen, amen, and amen again. Amen. Praise God. Well, God is good. Amen. And his mercy endures forever. 
His mercy is everlasting. So we thank God for his great mercy. Uh, Miss Juan, if you want to put some 